1: have accessed entry 791.is4209 certificate number 23054 minitel minitel is that a thing i should say with a with an accent minitel it seems like a word that should be said with an accent.
0: It is not only, you're correct, it's not <clears throat> only French, but it's a French acronym. Really? Minitel. The best kind of acronym. Mini, meaning small. Tel, meaning telephone. The funny thing is, Minitel was actually not the name of the service we're going to be discussing. It's actually called Teletel, which oh. is even funnier. Ha <laughs> ha! That's so fresh. From the Greek Tela, meaning far, and Tela, meaning far. Far, far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> Farfing Newton. That's my least favorite Star Wars character. The. Uh, that's my preferred distance to be from Jar Jar Binks. Far, far. I like to be, when he's stepping in Bantha Poop, <laughs> I want to be far, far. So how did it go from mini-mini to mini-tel? Mini-tel was the device. Teletel was the service. This is all, uh, we've talked about the origins of the internet before on this show a couple so of times. Because so we, we remember the early days well enough to, and we're the last generation that can remember the before times. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the par- our our parents- The last generation to come of to come of age in a- Style up
1: world, you know. Our parents and even my older brothers and sisters, the even the young boomers, probably were introduced to the internet after it became clear that there wasn't another option except <laughs> you know either get on Facebook or you'll never talk to your they got their grandkids. they got
0: their ninetieth AOL CD in the mail and they thought fine right you've won me over whereas you were were. There at the dawn, but you're not
1: a digital native. You you saw it happen as a as an adult.
0: I remember living in a household with no home computer. I remember living in a household with a home computer but no internet and no modem. I remember living in a household with a home computer and dial up internet, and I you know and I remember I've hit for the cycle and I've lived in a in a <laughs> in a high speed internet world too.
1: So how how broadband? Uh, let's just just to get this out of the way. What is the oldest person? No. What is the youngest person
0: who would have been uh, born into a house with no computer? I mean, it depends on what your formative times are. I right. mean, adolescence is really... And, way- I mean, and also your wealth, right? There are going to be people that didn't have computers. And part of the world. But yeah, I just mean in general, like, are you asking... Because today, the internet has poisoned so much of modern childhood <laughs> that kids will literally try to pinch swipe on magazine covers to try to get the size bigger.
1: I do that.
0: <laughs> You're, okay, you might be the oldest person... <laughs> Without dementia, who it's does that? <laughs> so terrible. I'll be reading a magazine. and I'm like, "What is that?" And I go to make it bigger. You should not be worried about doing that. You should be worried if it actually gets bigger. Oh, right. That's the, the thing they say about, like, if you if you don't know where your keys are, that's not Alzheimer's. If you don't know what your keys are, <laughs> that might be Alzheimer's. I,
1: I, my daughter got brand new glasses yesterday. First, you know, she had glasses. M- muzzle top, by the way. Thank you. We got her brand new ones because her prescription had changed. And it was the first time she ever had new glasses. You know, the Mm. first time you have glasses, you're like, wow, glasses. But to get new ones with a better Mm. prescription, and she put them on and she was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like a VR helmet. (laughs) Yeah, she was like, well, things over there look blurry. And when I first put them on, my eyes didn't know what to do. And she's like, I feel cross-eyed. And I was like, welcome to new glasses. (laughs) It's a whole new world for you.
0: Welcome to psychotropic drugs. This is exactly... (laughs)
1: what a lot of it's oh, be like. Oh also I dosed you. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> the glasses have been microdosed. The um So this is a story about the origins of the internet but not uh not adjacent to anything we've discussed before. Oh, a, a whole separate pocket. This is like a parallel universe. Okay, I like those. Where people eat dinner at 11 and it's usually uh mussels in white wine vinegar or white wine sauce and they've got their own internet.
1: Is this is this an alternate universe where uh, where Han Solo was played by a young Rob Lowe? <laughs> this is a French alternate universe. So it's,
0: oh, I don't where know. He's p-
1: p- portrayed by Gerard uh, Depardieu.
0: Exactly right. No, Gerard Depardieu is Jabba the Hut in this scenario. Oh, I'd like it better. Uh, I was reading one of the um, one of Patricia Highsmith's five Ripley novels. You know, they made mm-hmm. the first Mister Ripley movie about them. She wrote a whole series. And I guess the first 3 in particular are really held as uh just classics of the suspense genre because they work as thrillers but it's also got this fascinating um uh sociopathic apparently queer protagonist you know it's it's really kind of a it's a step forward from whatever your dad's suspense novels is Jack Reacher. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. From I mean John Le Carre is also a very forward-thinking spy writer, but yeah. um but you know Patricia Highsmith was a closeted lesbian writer, an American overseas. Um it's a very different take than what was coming out of a, a lot of the the thriller paperback engine at the time. So the so the story is
1: maintained over five books.
0: Yeah, this the the latter two, which I have not read yet, are uh I think kind of maybe nineties era's returns, and maybe they're not quite up to the standards. Yeah. But uh but you yeah. never know about
1: that. Maybe you, you might Maybe read them great. and you're just like, wow, this is a great book. I'm gonna
0: read them. Plus, I always think, you know what, better than nothing. Yeah, keep 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 nothing. keep churning out the books. Turn them out. Make Star Wars prequels one. Don't what, what could go wrong? <laughs> Don't do it. Stop.
1: <laughs> Enough's enough.
0: But Wrigley, if you've only seen the first movie, he continues wriggling out of things. Oh wow! He continues bashing people on the heads with uh with statuettes or or whatever he has handy, and uh, and narrowly avoiding police on three continents.
1: That movie made me really uncomfortable, and I had have never had a desire to like revisit it because Jude Law is so good looking in it. He's very handsome, but no, the whole just the vibe, the whole vibe of the movie from the from opening credits on, I was like, huh. And maybe it's that I'm that I resemble him too much, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> just like looking in a mirror. Maybe I would watch that movie and I was like, well, "How do you know so much?" The talented about, Mr. Roderick about, about my thoughts.
0: Well, he's just an, he's an American guy who reinvents himself mm-hmm. abroad in the shadow of these more sophisticated people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's obviously yeah. some queer subtext uh, that becomes text at many points. But he's also in my own life too, <laughs> just like you. He's not a good person, and often his adventures in impersonation and uh, and context shifting involve bludgeoning people and burying bodies and things like this. True for me also. In the second and third books, he has settled outside uh, Paris in a lovely little French village with some of the money he gets from Jude Law's estate. That's where our stories differ. Yeah, you have not set up in a little villa mm-hmm. outside uh, – Outside, uh, I can't remember where he lives. Near Fontainebleau, I think. Uh, but there's a scene – and it's, it's kind of a – there's a funny kind of time period thing where the first book is explicitly in the 50s. And the second book is like uh, six months later. Uh-huh. And now it's 1967. Like they're all like, put on the new Beatles LP, Tom, you know. And then the next book is like one month later in the 70s. Uh-huh. You know, like time is shifting with them like like they're uh, – a Marvel comics character or something. Right. The lead character is six months older, but it's 15 years later. That's exactly what happens. And, uh, there's a scene where he's and So there's a lot of stuff about just what it's like in France in the 70s. The long distance is terrible. It's a recurring theme in the book is how (laughs) he's always trying to call his contact in Amsterdam and he can't hear what the long distance in France was terrible
1: into the
0: mid nineties. But we don't want to put down French Telecom too much in this particular story, because this this is a this story is a f- triumph of French telecommunications. What were your experiences with uh,
1: European long distance? Oh, you know, European long distance always involved going into a place. You went up to a desk. You told the person the number you wanted to call, and then you sat in a hard chair. And then at some indeterminate time, they called your name, and this can't told, be right. <laughs> yeah, and told you what booth to go in. And then down this hall, there would be a bunch of doors and there'd be a light over each door and the light would be on over booth, you know, chambre number seven. You'd go in and it's like a tiny little dark closet and there's a phone and you pick it up. Is it possible you were in a French prison? (laughs) And then on the other end of the line, there's either an international operator or you wait through a series of clicks and boops and then your person that you're trying to call is like. Hello? <laughs> You're like, oh, it's you know, I, hi, it's me. And you just hope that you you don't get disconnected before you tell them the account number or whatever. It was it was so This is
0: where we're gonna find out you were some kind of test subject no, for the French military. It, it
1: was so Byzantine. It was like that in Spain up until I don't know, Wait, not that long ago. Are you saying
0: these uh, socialist Western European democracies are have all kinds of crazy <laughs> bureaucracy and inefficiencies? Did
1: you ever use a cell phone in Europe in the in the mid two thousands? It was the same thing. You would cross from Holland to Luxembourg, and all of a sudden your phone, you know like you you'd be on the phone and you'd cross over a border and, and
0: your friend is now flemish
1: well no now you're you're spending 10 euros a second <laughs> right because you're it's long distance
0: we had been warned in advance and we were just like until very recently, we were just like, everybody put your phone in no roaming mode. We are not dealing with this. Well, no, I had a plastic bag that had like 10 SIM cards, yeah.
1: and you would pull over and switch your SIM cards. But a lot of times, you know, you're right on the border yeah.
0: of somewhere, and you're like, I didn't go into Belgium. We're still in Holland. But you know, that, happens to, you. that happens to my parents on the Olympic Peninsula. Like, you stand- Oh, they in Canadian. You move eight feet across the room, and you're on Rogers Wireless. I know,
1: Rogers Lookout. Wireless. Look out.
0: And why does Rogers Wireless
1: have all caps?
0: Yeah. Right? Like, is that like, an acronym, Canada? What, what the hell? Why is
1: it all caps? Like, <laughs> all of our cell phone things have normal caps. Really, Ontarian? Rogers. The. Um, anyway, I don't think it's like that anymore, but. No. Oh, I, the I, SIM card's in a plastic bag. I what swapped
0: a, I swapped out Tim. Uh, for the first time last year, I was in Europe and I did the thing where you just go buy a. Burner eight, phone. <laughs> $8. No, I kept my phone, but I bought an $8 SIM card and, oh, yeah. uh, and I was just spoofing Her Majesty's government. She thought I was a British subject, and nope, I had just spent eight dollars at Vodafone or whatever.
1: But what is what does it cost to just stay on AT and T and pay the
0: roaming? It's the worst. Oh, really? They used to have some. That's why I didn't do it. They used to have some here. Sixty dollars for the month. You're on roaming. You don't have much data, but you can text. Go with God. Yeah, right. And then they got rid of it, and they're like, "Good news! Now all your only option is our daily passport. And it was like ten dollars a day for the for the privilege of having those villains limited data. And it turned out oh three or whatever. O2, what's the name of the British? O2. O2 would give me a, had a summer deal and would give me a little chip for eight bucks. Eight bucks so. I
1: bought, I have actually have a shoebox full of all of the burner phones I bought in Europe over the years. <laughs> Cause it, it ended up being cheaper. You'd go in like, sure. okay, 40 bucks, fine. I'll just buy some.
0: And when you're selling as much hashish as you were. Oh. So Tom Ripley uh, is, uh, you know, he's always getting phone calls from all over Europe. And there's a point in the third Ripley book where and you can tell me if you're familiar with this. He's got a 70s era French phone where he's talking on the phone and his wife takes the second earpiece from the back of the phone and holds it up to her ear to listen in. Are you familiar with these French phones? I've seen them. I never I never had the privilege of using one, but I've seen them. I've seen them in movies a lot. Like it's it's kind of a common thriller trope that, you know, if you want to listen in, you'll or even, you know, even just a you know, some kind of French drama, some Truffaut movie, you know, somebody will want to listen in and they'll they'll take the little earpiece on the back of the phone. Phones that not only have the regular handheld earpiece, but they have like a little stethoscope thing.
1: But, you know, we just had another extension. You just go into the other room and pick up the phone and
0: yeah. try not to make a clicking sound. I mean, maybe there was less of a click with... I mean, this, you really do have to stand just inches away. You can't eavesdrop on the person from your household. This is more like... Your friend motions you over and says, "Hey, Grandma's on the line. Come say happy birthday." Right, Grand Mare. And I asked my wife who'd Paris, grand-maire, in, grand-maire. in the nineties, uh-huh. I can't be right. Is it who lived in Paris in the nineties? And I was like, "What was that second earpiece for? Was it like, was it for eavesdropping?" And I think her take was that you know it was she she had actually seen people just use it as a separate thing, like.
1: Oh, to get stereo? You get
0: on the phone and then you have stereo. You have a more immersive conversation. That seems even weirder. So this it doesn't make any sense to me, and I don't know why that was there. And I, I encourage all descendants of the French to let us know at Omnibus why Please. French phones have... Please, descendants of the French.
1: <laughs> that's, uh, that's also a great uh, Judas Priest record. Descendants of descendants the French. Descendants of the French.
0: And she said, why are you asking about that? And I said, well, it's in this... Ripley novel. And so we were talking about weird French telephone technology. And she, she said, Well, what about Minitel? I bet he doesn't have Minitel. And I was like, What is Minitel? And she's like, How do you not know about Minitel? And How I said,
1: How do you not know? And I said, You know, because she,
0: <laughs> she had been in France in the right air. And I was like, What is Minitel? And she said, When I lived in France, the French were so proud of Minitel. It was the first thing they would show any new arrival. They would say, You know, in uh, America, you do not have the minitel they would everybody would have in their apartment a little beige box okay that had a how
1: big how big of a beige box
0: mm, well, like what's the smaller than this a little like this a small laptop imagine okay. like a chromebook or a speaking spell or something okay i have a speaking spell nearby <laughs> it's got a yeah bring bring that out let's take a look it's got a screen and it's got a little keyboard and it's an all text all black and white interface and I said well, well what was it and she said well it was like the internet but it was before the internet okay. it, everybody had their own internet in France in the 1980s and I said well that is not true what? I think we would I think we would all know if every Frenchman had his own internet in the 1980s <laughs> like fully a decade before uh, you know before any American had emailed who was not working for the Defense Department or JPL
1: so was it just like a like a, uh, like a translator for
0: closed caption type of thing, except for essentially, phone? yeah, it was a video text service that ran over video. Phone. Text. Well, it's 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 video in the sense that you're looking at a screen. Oh, okay, okay. There's nothing that you and I would call video. <laughs> okay. In fact, it's so text only that if you want graphics to display, you have to use kind of a rudimentary alphabet of lines and shapes. You know that that make. Polygons available to you, uh-huh. you know, like you know how fonts sometimes have those typefaces yeah. will have those. Here's a corner. Here's a left side of the of the hexagon. Yeah. Um, it was not state of the art by any standard, except for the standard of the late 1970s, which is when a French government report said that France needs to leap into the future and to put text based computer services available to every French household over. The phone lines over French Telecom. In fact, uh-huh. wait, sorry, French Telecom didn't even exist yet. Over PTT, whatever their old agency was, they used to have post office and yeah. Right. So this is like a government report on the post office telegraphs and telegrams. This is before their. I guess they never had a, a Ma Bell breakup or a Maman Cloche. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but you know, so there's there's just this one government agency that covers all communications. And they send a report to, I guess, President Destaing saying we are going to invent the internet. And if you remember, and maybe you don't, maybe this has been kind of memory hold. It kind of came back to me as I looked at this. The late seventies were very much a time of kind of a great leap forward in France.
1: Yeah, right, right. It's the end of De Gaulle and it's a new it's gonna be a new era in France.
0: And it's a, not just a political era, but actually a technological era. Like, we are going to be models of building a new futuristic kind of society. This is the time when the high-speed TGV trains. Right, the Pompidou Center. It's exactly right. The Pompidou Center opens in, um, what's that neighborhood of Paris called? Uh, Beau something. Yeah, Bo Bo regime, Bo Derek, Bo opens in Beau Derek, Bo France, which has which is exactly this kind of utopian socialist vision of the future. It's this amazing. It's the largest modern art collection in Europe, with that crazy Rogers piano facade mm-hmm. of you know a series of tubes. Bo beau Borg, Bo beau Borg, right. Bo Borg, and it's also got a huge library and a big you know a center for music and acoustic research. And, you know, it's, and it's all available to, to everyone in France from high and low, super scandalous at the time. The, uh, yeah, the architecture was for sure. Was, and, and, and this was kind of the forward looking view in France at the time. The, uh the Ariane rocket, you know, the, the, the first, yeah. the first European kind of unified space attempt to get, uh, Stuff into orbit you, comes from this time. You've got the Concorde. You've got the Concorde. You've got hovercrafts. No has people are trying hovercrafts across the channel, Love. And, and in fact, ex- other kinds of experiments. I mean, the TJV to this day has the world's fastest rail record of you know five hundred, almost six hundred miles an hour. I think. Um, Do you remember?
1: Uh, you're probably just a little too young to remember when the TJV opened, and it felt like wow. What a thing.
0: I remember hearing about the channel which was later, you yeah, know, we'll when, the, when they later. when the Eurostar opened or whatever. But yeah, like I do remember as a kid reading about bullet trains in Japan and France and just thinking this exists somewhere. Yeah. Like now?
1: But you know the and the thing about the what we would have called the TGV, it was orange, which is a <laughs> What is it? Which is a thing that just is such a cool color and it's such a cool color for a train and I, I, the first time I rode on it I was thrilled. It really felt like riding the Concorde. Also, it makes you very dizzy and seasick to be on a train going that fast. Your eye doesn't know what to look at. Wow. The 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 well, you've been on a bullet
0: train. I've been on Shinkansen. I don't know if I've ever been on European high speed. Well, no, know I've been on Spanish high speed rail, the AVE. Yeah. Which is p- now part of that whole huge network. Right. Um, but it's it, I found
1: it. I found that it made me uh, that I had disequilibrium. Hello Tushy,
0: hello tushy, 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 hello. Is that partridge family? <laughs> hello, Tushy, my old friend. How about a sad version? Like oh. a like a minor key acoustic guitar. Hello, Tushy. <laughs> is it my tushy you're looking for? Uh hello tushy. Hello, Tushy. What's the is the bidet saying hello to your tushy? Is that the is that what's going on here? Who is speaking in the sentence hello tushy? The void.
1: <laughs> the, void. the void is speaking. Hello,
0: Tushy. I hello Tushy. I would like to recommend a better way to use the toilet. Tushy, it's, it's Tushy. It's the voice of God. Over here, Tushy. Hello, uh, hello Tushy. Provides a better and more hygienic way to use the toilet. Yes, uh, a famously uh, uh, unhygienic place. I mean, we're still using a descendant of what our caveman ancestors would do with uh, leaves and a hole in the ground. Hmm. And we're living in the 21st century.
1: Yeah, there should be a space age way to...
0: We're living uh, in an age of wonders. Space
1: space age equivalent of leaves and a hole in the ground.
0: And what is it, Ken? It's the Hello Tushy 3.0 Modern Bidet Attachment. Okay. It cleanses cleanses you with a precise stream of fresh water. Again, not something available to our hunter-gatherer Ancestors, unless they sat on the geyser just right,
1: right. And it's not an imprecise uh, geyser. It's not like you're sitting. It's not like somebody with a fire hose. It's not like you're. It's you're, not a blunt instrument, as it yeah, were. Right. This
0: is precision stuff. You're not. You're not putting your tushy in a raging torrent. No, it's eco-friendly because you're going to use less toilet paper. It's easy to install um, because it doesn't require any electricity or additional plumbing. Uh, And it's affordable. Yeah. Well, that levels the playing field. You don't want only some people to have... You don't want the billionaires to have clean butts and everybody else, you know, the 99.999% of humanity to have unclean butts. Yeah, we should start calling billionaires clean butts. Hey, what's up, clean butt? I bet your butt's really clean. Boy, that'd that'd really get them. No, but... Then it would be democratized by Hello Tushy 3.0, which Look, is you could stand up and say, "I too am a clean butt. I too am a clean butt. Clean butts for the masses. We're all
1: clean butts.
0: Uh, it's sanitary. You you spray, you dry, and you go. No 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 poking around with little pieces of paper. Oh dear.
1: Go to hellotushy.com/slash omnibus to get 10% off plus free shipping of this incredible modern. Apparatus. Potty apparatus,
0: yeah. Incredible, modern, uh, hygienic system. This is a special offer for our listeners. Go to com slash omnibus to get 10% off. And France was experimenting with other kinds of weird... We talked about their weird experimental monorail. Um, They had like air cushion, experimental air cushion trains. Um, They had those in the Citroëns in the... You you drove an air time. you drove an air cushion Citroen <laughs> no but the Citroen <laughs> the floated floated eight inches are off the ground sorry sorry uh, sixteen centimeters <laughs> off the ground
1: the, those uh, the Citroens like famously had pneumatic suspension and disc brakes and stuff like that way before anybody else had them yeah like they were they were super modern for their time
0: imagine a time when the world's center where the U S is in such a doldrums and malaise. And, you know, other, you know, East Asia has not emerged yet. That the world's center of science fiction, where the future will come from, futurism, is France. Yeah. There was a few years where France was Wakanda. You're talking about my childhood. And we have forgotten this. Because um, th- they also had, like like, nakedness <laughs> on TV <laughs> and... You're exactly the right age for this to be the future. Orange trains and topless uh, t- topless ladies in deodorant ads. Well, and it was, you know, they were sexually, sexually progressive
1: in a way that felt kind of modern and like socially modern, Yeah, sort of smug, and, and a version of integration that at the time felt more modern than American, although and I, it turned and I, out like was well, just as that problematic. That didn't take much. Right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listeners are probably wondering... Is this compatible with marxism? And the answer is absolutely. Yeah, it was. Like when when the when the TGV was rolled out under Mitterrand, there was great the government went to great efforts to not brand it as this is the premium business class thing everybody else takes the crap trains. Like you know, the 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 slogan chosen by the Mitterrand government was progress means nothing unless shared by all. And that Whoa. was and that was kind of the touchstone of French public life. Then that we're all going to move forward together, and we're not going to leave a single Frenchman behind. Wow! I can his, think of a few
1: Frenchmen that got left behind.
0: For example, Tur- turns out it didn't. <laughs> turns out it didn't work out. No, no. There, this uh, utopian vision did not last forever, but it lasted long enough for a government report to be produced saying uh, it is possible to add a visual information system to the French telephone lines which will be huge. This will change every aspect of life. Think about all the little daily things you'll be able to do by interacting with your telephone. Uh, and by 1980, the device called the Minitel is being piloted in, uh, I think originally in Brittany, like uh, you know, a few households in Saint-Malo and then it expands to larger and larger areas. And it works. In 1982, Minitel goes nationwide. Every household in France can receive... Absolutely free of charge, a little beige box with a small keyboard, a black and white computer monitor, and a modem. Now, it doesn't have a CPU. I mean, 1982, Americans were just getting used to the idea that they could get a Commodore 64, you know? And France is saying, you can all be online, on the line. Um, it doesn't have a CPU, so it's it's like a you might be like me old enough to remember these dumb terminals that would just connect to a mainframe and would just feed text to you and you'd feed text back and somewhere else a computer is thinking and answering. Sure. Sure. Um, I remember that my mom, that was how my mom worked. That's exactly how these worked. It would use your existing phone lines to, I don't think, I think you would have needed a second line to do voice and mini tell at once because it's using just kind of standard slow modem handshaking of the time.
1: Did it? Did it make a
0: like? I'm not sure if it made the same connecting noise we associate with modems today. But yes, it's the same technology. So it's got it's got an zerty keyboard instead of a QWERTY uh-huh. keyboard. That's <laughs> that's the main thing. <laughs> the main difference. What's weird to me is that I took my
1: first French class in 1980. I was in French in junior high and high school from '80 80 to '84. Did you study abroad ever? I never studied abroad, but I also, we were early adopters of home computing because my mom was a computer programmer. And so we had an IBM PC, the first, you know, generation one home computer. And like very early, as, as we talked about earlier, a very early modem. Um, And I never heard of Minitel. And it would have seemed like the type of thing they would have yeah I guess it's just that my French teachers were all old ladies and didn't they were still trying to uh to explain how glamorous it was to ride around on a bicycle with a with the black beret and they didn't they didn't know about the future <laughs> their
0: ideas of france g- uh, came from post-war paris like yeah, exactly. immediately post war yeah it was a slow expansion into French life like when it when minitel was released re- pretty much all it could do was replace the phone book. It became a text directory of addresses and phone numbers. But how would you search? With your keyboard. You could enter in a search
1: term yes. and it would return a result. Yes. Oh. And well, again, you know,
0: you're ser- cool. you're, like, you're, like you're having to wait for the light to turn on in your chambre, your, your query would go over the wires to wherever the server was and it would return the address of the phone number you're looking for and come back to you. Uh-huh. But by the standards of 1982... It was nearly instantaneous because you would normally have to, like, page through a big book or call a human operator. And clearly, that's not, you know, we've seen 2001. That's not how the future is going to work when, no. you, when you call home from your Pan Am space station. No, you don't want to talk to a human operator. No, operators will not be standing by. And from the, from the beginning, it was clear that, you know, the services will expand. Like, Western European governments at this time were nothing, were about nothing if not expanding vast public services to all Uh and soon like within a matter of a couple of years you could check your bank balance and do bank financial transactions on uh, minitel you could buy and sell stock you could see what the weather was i don't know if you could buy or sell stock you could see stock prices go up and down i don't know at what point financial trading was added you could check the weather forecast you could book, travel tickets, get plane tickets, train tickets. you know, it was all tied into the national education system, so you could apply to university or get results from your exams. And uh, you know government agencies were slowly adding access to all their services via the minitel. So in cases where you, you would no longer have to find a public office and find the right um, functionary to hand you the right pamphlet, you could you would never have to write to Pueblo, Colorado again. Like it would, <laughs> all the black and white text would just come into your neighborhood. An interesting thing that happened almost right away, so we're still in like 1983, is that newspapers are outraged. What? And you can see why. Yeah. It's the kind of thing that you know would happen in the rest of the world in the late ni- mid to late 90s. Newspapers were like, wait, people buy our thing to find out what the weather's going to be and if their stock went up and... This is bad news. Right. But in the most French of all French strategies, the government decided we will prop up. Sure, we'll we'll pay everyone. We'll prop up the newspapers too. (laughs) (laughs) They passed a rule that said you had to be a registered newspaper if you wanted to release content on the Minitel. Oh, okay. So newspapers started rolling out. 24-hour online news, and this was a game-changer because France had internet news basically before it had satellite news. Like, in the 1984 LA Olympics, the French would go to bed not knowing if they had won a medal or not because LA is, what, five, eight hours earlier? yeah, Nine in the summer? Nine in the summer, Nine Nine in the summer maybe? Yeah. And uh, the only way to, you know, instead of waiting for the, for the morning edition, you could stay up and just keep uh, asking Minitel, and it would... It would tell you in real time, you know, Zutalor, the pole vaulter (laughs) has won the silver medal. Um, So this was a game changer for individual users who were like, whoa, news in real time? I didn't have to wait for a paper. How cool, except none of it matters. (laughs) (laughs) News is garbage, and (laughs) it was then too. But in 1984, when the newspaper is still like your lifeline to the world, imagine that, that shift. I mean, you... People our age saw it happen in the 90s. But in France, it happened in 1984. I wonder how – I wonder
1: if there were 20 different people who made money at a betting parlor before the betting parlors realized, hey, wait a
0: minute. (laughs) They were doing the thing from the end of the sting. Yeah. How did
1: did everybody know that that horse came in first?
0: Um, The problem with this bureaucracy is that entrepreneurs very quickly realized that um, it's very easy to get a newspaper registered by French law. Oh. so if you wanted to get basically if you wanted to get an app in the app store or if you wanted to add a service to minitel, you would have to register a newspaper, print a paper, then uh, move that service to minitel apply to move that service to minitel, do so, and then your paper could fold and you were good you were you were uh you were a, a telecommunications entrepreneur now in perpetuity
1: it's it wasn't even that uh, easy to start a zine <laughs> right <laughs>
0: If you could start a zine about Joy Division, you could uh, be an internet millionaire back then. So very quickly, um, Minitel sees this whole culture start, you know, the same thing that was happening with U.S. bulletin boards at the time, but nationwide, because everybody gets a free terminal, starts to see this accumulation of of weird culture around the internet. Um, Minitel Rose was the name of the genre of sexy chat lines. The what? you know the equivalent of what what was it here nine hundred numbers what were the I wouldn't know yeah but you uh, but I'm sure you numbers. spent you you maxed out your parents' credit cards
1: oh it, no I could I couldn't I could never suspend disbelief it's very hard for me to suspend disbelief <laughs> you get, call up on on some nine hundred number and she's like hello and,
0: and you I'm know like, she's ironing like the yeah what movie what movie is that is that Altman shortcuts where the the sexy uh, phone the phone sex lady is changing her baby's diaper or whatever uh, in this case it was it would be text based so you would type in hey what are you wearing? baby what are you wearing and it would just be like a bunch of men and women in call centers just voulez-vous coucher avec moi you don't even need to have a nice sexy voice if you're doing it over if you're doing it over <laughs> le minitel so there were different channels yeah i mean think of it as think of it as um I don't know what they would say, features or, you know, today it would be app icons on a screen. Back then you would see a list and it would say, are you interested in oh. financial education? And you click on one of those. Okay, do you want directory assistance? Are you interested in chatting? News groups. Yeah. And by well into the, I mean, this, this, basically the France had its first dot com bubble in the mid eighties because everybody rushed into this space, but there was a lot of growth because again, millions of people have access to the service and it's free and want to see what the new stuff is. Uh, they really got around the chicken and the egg problem that America had where why would you get on the internet? There's nothing good. And then why would the internet create nothing good? There's nobody on it. You know, France just, the government delivered right. everyone an egg in the mail. And, uh, you know, a lot of these businesses failed, but I think by the mid 80s, you know, something like a half of the service is just chatting and, and gaming. Whoa. So, like, the internet forms very quickly. The World Wide Web forms very quickly over this totally different interface. Whoa. Like a, a series of, of text screens. By the 90s, you've got multiplayer gaming. You can grocery shop for same-day delivery. You know, something that I did not start doing until 2020. Right. Um, you can actually submit natural language requests, like, uh, buy theater tickets in Paris, and it'll... Take you to the to the menu for that service. Um, why, could, why could, aren't we all on Minitel? Why uh, didn't it doesn't spread it sound out great? the world? Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't it sound great? You could actually remotely control home appliances. Like you could you could set your thermostat from from on vacation. By how? I mean, you'd have to have a thermostat that was wired to your home's phone service. Incroyable. Set incroyable. Uh, and the funny thing is, this is all happening in the mid 90s when you and i are all standing in line at the bank to deposit a check Ugh, going to the grocery store like cavemen waiting on hold for hours just to get any government agency to give you any information on your parking ticket or your your the you know form for assistance or whatever you submitted
1: completely unable to p- multiplayer game or <laughs> right you have sexy talk via text
0: like we were actually having to have uh, sexy talk with our romantic partners, if you can imagine, Oy. such a such an indignity.
1: Oy. You know, as late as 1997, a friend bought me a pager because they were like, "You're impossible to get a hold of." I'm just going to buy you a pager, but I could have been
0: mini-telling the whole time. I it, mean, that would have required that I have a home and but, be in, and the home be in France, right? You would have to be Tom Ripley. Just well, murder some American expatriate and take I'm, over his fortune.
1: I'm saying if Minitel had spread around the world, which it surely should have, except
0: for what, can tell us. There were attempts to get Minitel to spread because France was very proud of its national accomplishment here. Like, it had the internet—it didn't know this, but it, had, it was 10 to 15 years ahead of the internet or the World Wide Web, only within the borders of France. And, you know, in the 90s, they would boast about it. Chirac, here's a quote from Chirac. Today, a baker in Aubervilliers knows perfectly how to check his bank account on the Minitel. Can the same be said of the baker in New York? No. And he's right. He is right. New York's the financial center of the world, and you know maybe like a, a tenth of 1% of nerds have figured out how to get on... CompuServe, or Prodigy. Not a single baker, I bet, among them. None of them <laughs> None of them bakers. All of them computer engineers or defense department employees. I feel
1: like it would be really frustrating if you were Belgian or Luxembourgian or <laughs> right. Swiss.
0: So right? close. It's like, what? It's how just, hard is it? I just want to sneak across the border and use <laughs> Minitel. Yeah. It's such a cool beige box. By this time in the Chirac era, there were 9 million Minitel sets operating in French households, 25 million users using a collection of 26,000 different services. 26,000 companies had registered different services on the website for, again, everything from buying plane tickets to checking weather forecasts. And it looks like a personal computer. A a, a, a small one and a kind
1: of primitive one, but not any weirder than the, main, than...
0: the main difference that it's not storing any kind of state or doing any kind of computation is totally op- opaque from the user. Yeah, who cares? You're, you've got input on a... Keyboard and output on a mount monitor. It's it's as if you all have every. They gave a computer to everybody in France and put it online.
1: And did you have to know, um, like basic? I mean, did you have to know command line stuff or or special? You just
0: no. Like it was just when there. I was on a dumb terminal in the nineties, yeah, you'd have to learn Linux and yeah. and uh, C shell scripting. You know, and not at all here. You you see, it's like Yahoo. Basically, you you launch into Yahoo and you've got a list of options and you follow the hierarchy till you get to the services you like um i bet there were ways to shortcut the services you used most
1: wow i'm looking now i see a picture of a of an eight bit drawing of a naked lady on minitel on minitel i don't think it's, it's a french thing of course There's i mean it's 20 n- years ago naked so not, lady
0: that woman's sh- clearly dead by now <laughs> <laughs> ken how's your hair my hair feels great. It's actually it's pretty full and and uh, f- and fluffy. I don't want to brag. They stopped having to fill in the back of my head with uh, spray foam. Yeah, there's kind of there's like a th- you know because like harsh TV lights really yeah. make people look balder than they are. Sometimes they have been filling in the back of my head,
1: and they don't have to anymore.
0: They don't have to. I mean, it, you know the the degree to which a full head of hair is part
1: of uh, you know a kind of masculine identity you are in a in a position where millions of people see well, millions uh some number of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people no, see, see you every week uh hosting the jeopardy program and you don't want to look like um, less than the full
0: amount of fluff the problem with our um cultural obsession with hair and baldness is that like literally two out of three guys the majority of men it will experience some kind of male pattern baldness in their mid-30s, yeah. you know, by the time they're 35. Right. And then it just goes up from there. So it's not like it's a, a a rare or severe or stigmatized problem. It shouldn't be. It happens to almost everybody.
1: And it used to be if you wanted to get um, like an, uh, a hair loss preventing medicine, you had to go to a doctor,
0: right? Yeah. You'd have to get a prescription sometimes. You'd have to use a name brand. Uh, and a lot of them aren't FDA approved. Yes, there's two FDA-approved ones, and the great thing is you, you can get both of them uh, cheaper and easier with Keeps, uh, an online service for ordering, for prescribing and ordering uh, and then continuing to receive uh, FDA-approved hair loss medications. Oh, so it still is a prescription in
1: order to, to get the one of the two FDA-approved If you ones. want
0: the prescribed one, yeah, you can get the prescription online. Um, you don't have to visit a doctor. Uh, you'll get a cheaper generic. So you're going to save a ton of money and it's really important to do it when you think you might be in the early stages, because, you know, the best thing you can do is maintain. I mean, there may be some regrowth, but the great, the great thing is you can keep what you have now.
1: I remember when you had less hair and it's sort of
0: phenomenal that it's worked and look at your hair now. It like uh, well, you. You, you look like a little badger. That's what I asked for. Uh-huh. I went to my doctor because, I uh, you know, this is before I knew about Keeps, and I said, "What do you have that will make me look like a little badger?" He said,
1: "Doctor, Mister MD." So, if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss,
0: what do you do? Go to Keeps K E E P S dot com slash Omnibus, and if you use that code, you'll get your first month of treatment. For free. You're
1: saying keeps.com slash omnibus to get your first month free?
0: keeps.com slash omnibus.
1: Well, some of these are really cool. Like the terminals themselves are really modern looking space age 2001.
0: Well, the old timiness of the terminals was one of the things that doomed Minitel. Oh. You know, once, once other countries uh, actually embraced the standard of the World Wide Web, um, other countries. The problem is Minitel is a closed system. So, you know, it, it wasn't possible to expand it or integrate it into a larger worldwide network because the whole thing was running through the French government. Right. And also the box, most of the boxes had kind of looked clunky and embarrassing. You know, if you were a tech person, you wanted one of those, was it the iMac that had the big,
1: the round, but
0: the the, the, the teal, the cyan, but that was what, 90, when was the iMac? 96, 97? Yeah, I mean, but that's what happened. Like, oh. like, this, the Minitel lasted and thrived as late as 2009. The directory assistance stuff, the phone book equivalent on Minitel, was getting a million hits a month. Whoa. When? 99? 2009. 2009. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, it had a lot of legacy use because people were, that was just part of the the same reason you and I use ATMs instead of scanning checks with the app on our phone you know we were just kind of plugged into the old way of doing stuff so so
1: was it that you had a personal computer but you also were plugged into the minitel or were that
0: many people still using minitel exclusively no you were using a minitel device i don't think it ever i don't know if it ever 2009 there must have, i don't know i don't know i think it was still a closed system until it died you I've know i've been to france about 15 times in that period, and I never saw a Minitel. I mean, towards the end, you would really apparently only see Minitels in, like, Airbnbs. Oh. Because one of the use cases for it was, this is how we give tourist information. There were a- Air- Airbnbs in 2009? Yeah, the, or, or equivalent. you oh, know, like, uh, right, right, right. You know, you'd check into a, a youth hostel, or you'd rent a... a Cottage somewhere, and it would have a mini tell because that's that's where you find out what time the train leaves. And uh, so here's what's crazy: I was in
1: all those youth hostels. I'm sure there were mini tells all around, and it
0: was my sheer lack of curiosity. You were probably like, "This is a crappy computer over here." Like, what is that
1: computer? I don't need a. I don't need to look at a computer. I'm a I'm a natural man,
0: and I just was oblivious. You're contributing to the general ignorance of French. Uh, of Americans in France,
1: <laughs> I was the poster child well, just of it.
0: American ignorance about yeah uh, France's Tomorrowland, you know. Um, so as I as you ask, there there were attempts to bring Minitel to the world. There's no reason why it couldn't. On the one, you know, and it, they piloted it in dozens of countries. On, on the one hand, um, you, it's easy to see why Minitel was doomed. You know, it was after about 1985 it really there was no innovation it was always going to be locked into the same text based interface here are the kinds of services we allow and here's the kind of stuff the kind of stuff you can do was it just nobody that, was ever like hey let's put a graphical interface on top
1: of this. what was the was there a technological reason why there was no innovation or was it just that it the, the people in charge just didn't give a hoot
0: that's the problem everything was running through the french post office basically oh, yeah. so like a small group of kind of old Um, tenured, what's the equivalent of tenure in government? You know, basically, uh. Sinecure. Yeah, sinecured (laughs) government employees. Basically, you had to get through these elderly French bureaucrats.
1: Who had been 30 when it was invented and now they were 60.
0: Yeah, and they don't care. Um, so that's not the kind of environment that generally a lot of innovation comes out of. You know, a a government board that doesn't care. And in fact, you know, you see Minitel the failure of Minitel, if you can call it that. As a it's a Silicon Valley cliche about um innovation Innovate done wrong. Die. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the dangers of centralization, you know, if you don't have little agile upstarts, if you have some if you have some big gloomy government <laughs> telling you what to, to do, do
1: anything. Brr.
0: But the but the funny thing is we can actually see what happens when Minitel uh, tries to expand to America because that happened in 1991. Really? Um, yeah, France Telecom licensed the technology to uh, a service that they called 101 Online that they were going to pilot in the Bay Area, and they thought this is perfect. We are the we are right now the connectivity capital of the world. 1991 is just ahead of the curve of people starting to know what what email is, and you know the the tech savvy people are starting to get on. Genie and CompuServe and little area bulletin boards are starting up for hobbyists to yak.
1: Do they call it connectivity, or is that just a frontier way of pronouncing it?
0: You're mad that I didn't say connectivity? Like like Connecticut? Connectivity. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah, that that much more common pronunciation. Hartford connectivity. So wait, was online already a a word of art, a term of art of, of... in 1991? Ooh, that's a good question. Or did they invent
0: online? No, I mean America Online existed. I wonder what year we first see online cited. I mean, it's as early as 1950 if you're in a university computer lab, I guess. Oh, whoa. whoa. That's the first time anyone said the system is online and that meant
1: Right. I'm, right, ta- okay. I'm talking to I the guess computer. my mom
0: would have said that, yeah. But I mean America Online started up in the 80s. Is that possible? Founded in '83, really. But I mean, but I, it wasn't renamed America Online until 1989. It was a, it was like an IBM user service called Playnet. But e- I remember Playnet. But even 1989 seems seems it's weirdly early. Weird. Were you aware of this kind of parallel? Like my dad was a, enough into hacker culture, and we had enough copies of Byte magazine sitting around that I was aware that there were all these bulletin boards out there where the computer people were talking about about. Hacks and freaks, and you know, sending bitmaps of naked ladies probably.
1: Yeah, I knew about it. I, you know, I, I subscribed to PC Magazine, uh, but still, <laughs> not, not still. But you know, I was, well, when did I start reading 2600? It was later, but mid 90s. I mean, I knew they were there, but I just didn't have any interest. I, I read 2600 Magazine and enjoyed it without any knowledge of what they were actually doing. Like I didn't, I was not interested in getting on a computer. I just was interested in, it's like reading film reviews for a movie you have no intention of seeing.
0: <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so in 1991, San Francisco gets a chance to try 101 online and France telecom hires John Coat, who had, had kind of been the, um, the, the genius you know, the bulletin board operator who had built a culture around the well, which was the Bay area and Silicon Valley local bulletin board. And therefore, you know, probably the, the forefront of that in the nation. And they sent little mini devices to, you know, the editors of all these PC magazines. And this being the Bay area, 1991, they set up little like digital chill out rooms at like raves and cool parties sure so you could like you know take a break from the take a break from the <laughs> from grinding your teeth <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> from whatever awful manchester music you were listening to and uh and go check out what the what the mini internet of 101 online had to offer but you could see the way that it was implemented there and the way it was implemented in france you can see why it didn't work like the very fact that it had universal adoption in, I mean, first of all, in France, it appeared early enough that there were no competitors, right? And then you got a vast public system with the weight of the government behind it. So, you know, you have you suddenly you have universal adoption. If you wanted to talk to your friend, your friend was there. Yes, and you you don't have to wait to talk your friends into getting online. And there's basically net neutrality in France in the oh. 1980s. Anybody who registers a paper can can put a, a, a site. Yeah, oh. they weren't called portal sites, services, I guess is what they were called. Page. Could add a service to the, oh, uh-huh. to Minitel. Um, so it's net neutrality, basically. Uh, easy enough to do. Um, there was no, you know, there was no gatekeeper curating, here's what can
1: go on here. And Well, well how were search returns organized? If you said, what's, you know, I want to make a reservation and there were 10 people offering the service, how would, you? It, once you asked, how would it return results?
0: I think the services might have been proprietary to the who you're getting the services from. Oh. So, you know, you know whether you're talking to the equivalent of French Rail or the equivalent of Ticketmaster. Oh, you'd go and be or on BNSF the the or whatever. Of, yeah. Or, yeah. So...
1: No, that's Burlington Northern Santa Fe. Yeah. BSF. What is the French Rail?
0: BSFN? It would be funny if it were Burlington Northern Santa Fe. I mean, that'd be a heck of a channel. It's S-N-C-F. What does that even stand for? I mean, something national, something de France. Yeah, that's
1: what it stands for. Something national, something de France. Or it's probably Chemin,
0: de, chemin de faire, right? Chemin Fer. That's what the CF is. That makes sense. But 101 Online decided to follow the U.S. model that Prodigy and CompuServe and Genie and all the rest have been doing, which is we curate our material. Yeah. You know, we've licensed Reader's Digest, and we've licensed world book encyclopedia and yeah we've got the DC comics uh, uh, chat and uh,
1: trying to get trying to get all those 80 year olds to sign up <laughs> Société nationale de chemin de fer français I like how it's a society
0: yeah yes yes I am a member of the <laughs> French <laughs> National Railroad Society um, so it was just a different world like they were actually you know France was doing net neutrality in a way the US was doing its own little no 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 the corporations will run this and yeah. And they'll do. F- so it's the same battle we see today between the inter- even though even though the French one is a massive government, a socialist e- effort, enterprise effort, and we would like you know theoretically we would like to see government out of internet. At least the French one was everybody has it and everybody can put services on it. Whereas the U.S. was like this big corporation's going to decide which things you can see on its portal.
1: Well, the new version of that is t- uh, is. Internet as a utility. Absolutely. right. We're asking the government to step in and say, look, this is too important to be left to private companies. The
0: internet should be free and like universal. Like water, yeah, yeah. exactly. And, uh, and it, in fact, you see the same kinds of conversations today around, you know, which companies have too much power over the internet? You know, does Google effectively have a monopoly that keeps me from setting up a site because it's the only way to sell ads and it's the only way to... Optimize search, you know, does Facebook control every site of a certain kind? You know, at what point do we say Twitter has a monopoly? It's all these same questions. And in the U.S., the you know, the system was so bad that if you wanted to start a service on 101 online, you'd actually have to put your content on a floppy disk, take, take the files physically to the office in downtown San Francisco. And wait in line. <laughs> yeah, basically. And have them change it, convert it to their... Format Mm -hmm. and then your service could appear on their site. So it was all the inconveniences of offline life and none of the, and and few of the advantages, few of the efficiencies. So San Francisco at least had its chance at getting Minitel in 1991 and failed utterly because you needed Mitterrand style socialism. Once again, San Francisco failed utterly. Just like we all do today. San Francisco thought it was on the, you know thought it was on the forefront of uh progressivism and uh really just you know wanted to see it low property taxes and and, and no public transit
1: no transit and no homeless people <laughs> basically i i wonder you know the the french don't play well with others and there are a lot of european programs and systems that kind of um I feel designed for the EU as a community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, France always holds itself apart a little bit. And there are a lot of things that the EU adopts and that France doesn't. And there are a lot of things that are proprietary to the, just the French way of thinking that no one else is invited into. Just being in France feels very different. You know, if you could go from Belgium to Spain, it would feel more, they'd feel more akin, but you have to go through France And you feel like you're in a weird other world
0: while you're there. France and the UK are the same in this respect. And it probably dates back to being a big European power that never got embarrassed in the 20th century. (laughs) You know, like Germany, Italy, and Spain, you can see why they're not like, uh, you know, no, no, us uber you know. Same with with Eastern Europe, yeah. Yeah but you know france and- got
1: kind of embarrassed there <laughs> along the way a couple of times but it, yeah they never it, took it, was, it it was
0: looking bad at the half
1: yeah. they never they never accepted their embarrassment the nbn few and they were just like well it's fine it's whatever we'll hand that off that's true but i wonder how much that has to do with just the kind of whether it would have spread uh, if there had if there wasn't that i mean the very word chauvinism is a French word. (laughs) QED. Whether whether just the French sort of chauvinism is what kept it not just from being something that they exported, but something that other countries felt like they wanted.
0: I mean, the Chirac quote is very telling, I think. It's not just like, we have the future and it is our gift to you. It's really like, nobody in New York can do this, suckers. Move to France. And that concludes
1: Minitel, entry 791.IS4209, certificate number 23054 in the omnibus. (sighs) Futurelings, in the unlikely event that social media still exists in your era, let let us
0: enter it into the record that it was invented in France. Exactly. I'm sure you guys are using a fully text-based terminal interface mm-hmm. with your version of the internet now, and you think our folly with social media was a terrible flirtation that yeah. ended the world.
1: Yeah, you're you're watching the internet scroll by like a, a stock ticker, and you're thinking, what a this bunch of dummies. What do you
0: think happened to a million, what was it, nine million Minitel boxes? Are French dumps just full of them? Or yeah. like, is the future going to re- recover them and, and set them back up?
1: I'm sure there's an internet cafe somewhere in Paris that has... That is decorated with like 500 Minitel terminals. Yeah. And I bet it's really cool. Please send us a picture of it to at Omnibus Project or at Ken Jennings at John Roderick. You can email that picture to us at the Omnibus Project at gmail.com. You can mail us a Polaroid. You can mail us a Minitel terminal. Yeah. Are we allowed to
0: have them? Are they all still the property of Francois Mitterrand?
1: I wonder if you can if you can like reverse engineer
0: them and make them into some cool little little art thing, like people who put cell phones into into rotary phone cases.
1: Well, that or you know, I have I actually have my original IBM PC and my first Mac Classic too, and I keep thinking I'm going to turn them on, hook them up, and then have that flashing cathode ray <laughs> thing, and just have them in the living room like. I don't know, figure out a way to to have old Ren and Stimpy cartoons play on them or something. Maybe make it
0: a planter. I wish I lived in a loft still. it's
1: That's all weird to do in a house.
0: Yeah, but if you, I lived in a loft. If you had exposed brick, you could have yeah. an old broken uh, Donkey Kong Jr. machine. I could. Why not?
1: <laughs> I could. I'd have a whole wall of Minitel terminals. Nobody's stopping you.
0: Uh, like, the, like some, you know, early 90s hacker movie. I think we're speaking to like a Station 11 type future where people are either planting vegetables in old mini Mm tells or actually Mm -hmm. accessing the new global satellite network on them. Mm -hmm. Hacking in. Hacking in. So send us your mini tell
1: to PO box five, five, seven, four, four shoreline, Washington, nine, eight, one, five, five. You can, uh, you can share photos. If you don't want to just send them to us, if you want to share them with like-minded futurelings, you can go on the internet and find fan groups, uh, under the name Futurelings. If this was a Minitel universe, uh, the Futureling site would be...
0: You'd have to start a newspaper called yep. Le Futureling. Le Futureling. And then from that you could get an app. And you can support the show
1: and we appreciate your support. It will help us turn the future into a Minitel based society.
0: Now that France is no longer the future and the US certainly is not, I don't even know what to hope for. It's, its Omnibus Bunker is the future. Casc-
1: Cascadia, baby. We, yeah, that's right. We are your future government Uh, Support the show at patreon.com slash Project to help us overthrow the current fractured governments of the world and establish one world government under Ken and me.
0: It'll be benevolent, uh, France, Mitterrand-style social democracy. That's our our vow to you.
1: You can trust us. Any of my really bad ideas, Ken will check with his, you know, sort of good, stolid... We'll just check them all with, a, with a massive bureaucracy. <laughs> right, right. And Ken's tendency to be uh, autocratic. Uh, I'll mess up by being... With uh, your anarchic, yeah, anarchic spirit. Like every kind of third proposal will be so kooky that it'll throw
0: him off his game. Listeners, from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived. We hope and pray that the catastrophe that we fear may never come, but... If the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word. But if providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus.